Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Four Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every single little part of Star Wars is great. From a certain point of view, I am your host. My name is Joseph Scrimshaw. With me, not as always. Instead, a new guest to the show, someone who has not been on the show before. Sitting in for my normal guest of a little sip of whiskey is 
a little sip of beer. Those of you who have listened to the show before know that this is how it goes. Me and my little sip of whiskey. Now today, my big sip of beer. Break down two Star Wars grievances. Two things that upset Star Wars fans. Something in this giant epic saga that we all love that still kind of annoy you and maybe block you from enjoying the the Star Wars saga to your fullest. I am going to attempt to make you feel better about those grievances. As always, two grievances. Which is the master? Which is the apprentice? You decide. As you are listening to this recording, you can decide, am I the master or am I the apprentice to this beer? I'm going to have a sip, and then we will begin. Mmm. Tastes like apprentice. I don't know what that means. Anyway, here we go. Grievance number one is crazy lightsabers. This was sent in uh, by a patron of our Force Center Patreon. The patron's name is Adam Nowakowski, and Adam Nowakowski says, Dear Master Scrimshaw. Thank you, that's very kind. Dear Master Scrimshaw. Now, this might be a rare grievance. I have a problem with the abuse of lightsabers. You don't see it as much in the movies, but it's almost a cliche in the animated series and especially video games. I grimace whenever I see a Jedi with dual lightsabers. A single lightsaber is so beautiful and elegant. Dual sabers are, in my opinion, just too much. They don't seem right, so it's a matter of aesthetics. What's worse, they make a traditional single saber look like a choice of a wuss. Because why would you decide to pick one lightsaber if you can fight with two, or three, or four, since we are made to believe it's clearly a better choice? And have a saber with a built-in gun? Hello, Ezra. Or one that's also a clock? Hello, Joey from Friends. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, because I'm a less-is-more type of guy. But this issue really grinds my gears. Please, more Seven Samurai than Commando for Star Wars. Adam. That is a, indeed, I think, rare grievance in terms of the ones that I've received for Star Wars counseling. I doubt it is rare among actual Star Wars fans. I think we all have tortured opinions about what is appropriate for lightsabers, what is appropriate aesthetically, what is appropriate narratively to that galaxy far, far away and the logic of lightsaber combat. I, for one, find this a very understandable grievance, but I am going to try to bring you closer to the light side of the force on this issue. First, I think you just have to accept, like so many Star Wars grievances, the practical reality. Star Wars is, at least partially, about things looking real cool. And up to a point, I think a lot of the lightsaber variations we have seen do end up looking real cool. Even if at first you're like, come on, why? And then you're like, mm, all right, but it does look kind of cool. I think for myself, starting with Darth Maul and his double blade in The Phantom Menace, I still remember the first time I saw that. And I feel like not only did my jaw drop, but my entire body. And it was of a, of course, these are old, elegant weapons. Why wouldn't you have ones that uh, emulate many different styles of swords? And certainly a double-bladed one worked in The Phantom Menace. It was one of the cool things about uh, Darth Maul. And uh, I, I know uh, that your grievance kind of mentioned not so much the different kinds of lightsabers, but the wielding two at a time. And I will get to that. But I feel like it all begins with Darth Maul's 
double blade and the Phantom Menace. And I think the reality that we have to face is starting with that double blade and the Phantom Menace. And I know there's some other craziness in uh, Expanded Universe, I'm sure. Uh, but starting right there in front of Everybody, when that door opens in the trailer and Darth Maul ignites that double-bladed lightsaber, that's where it all begins. And I think the reality in the real world is, since then, creators have wanted to up the stakes. They've wanted to say, is this going to excite fans more if the lightsaber is screwy and different in some way? Is it going to recreate that moment when Star Wars fans who uh, grew up maybe with the original, even if you grew up watching in the theaters or you grew up watching it on VHS or uh, or any way that you might have seen it? Maybe you just watched the Viewmaster. Who knows? Anyway, you have that moment when you first see the double-bladed lightsaber. And I think a lot of these other lightsabers have been an attempt to recreate the awesomeness of that moment. So that's my first level of counseling. Creators are going to try to keep making unique and bizarre lightsabers, I think. And I think at some point, we just have to accept that that is a truth moving forward. Now, I agree with you, Adam, that I have not been a fan of a lot of them. They are getting a little absurd. I, in fact, had to look up the clock in it reference because I'm a casual Friends fan, but I didn't know about the whole story where Joey bought his girlfriend a pen that also had a clock in it, and I wasted a lot of time watching Friends on YouTube, and I would like to thank you, Adam, for including that reference so I could have some fun Friends procrastination. But that is a, a great joke to make. The It's a lightsaber, but it's also this. What other lightsaber bizarre things are we going to maybe see in the future? Are we going to see a big Sith giant who has uh, brass knuckles and on the tip of every knuckle is a different lightsaber? Are we going to see scenes where people get their arms cut off and they just replace their actual arms with lightsabers so they can just kind of go swinging at people moving their shoulders back and forth saying, I'm moving like this. If you don't get out of the way, that's your problem. Are we going to see a massive first order cannon that shoots out smaller lightsabers? Is that a possibility? It could be. We need to be careful with this kind of stuff. So I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about my concerns, but I also want to talk about the progression of lightsabers over the years. Now, the double blade, as you could tell, never bothered me. Thought it made sense. It was fresh. It was exciting. Now, handling two blades, not super crazy. It's got a clock in it, also uh, lightsaber blades, but just having two separate lightsabers like Ahsoka does. I kind of like that. Uh, in particular, with the example of Ahsoka, she has the one that's shorter. She holds them in a different stance, and it seems personal. It seems like it is about her. A new Forces of Destiny animated short was just released that features Yoda basically training Ahsoka to use the double-bladed lightsabers. She's made the choice to use them, and Yoda gives her the counseling of, you need to use these lightsabers properly, because you have made the choice, for a reason that makes sense to you, to use two lightsabers. And Yoda gives her the great wisdom, the great advice, that you will have more power if you are yourself. Your individuality gives you strength. What makes you different makes you stronger, says Yoda. And I think that makes sense uh, to see Ahsoka wielding those two blades, because again, it looks like a martial arts style. It looks like a choice. It looks personal. It doesn't just look like, I want to look cooler and two lightsabers. That's cool, right? 
Now we move on to uh, things like General Grievous. Now, General Grievous, of course, he's, he's much mocked uh, lightsaber spinning. He's got four, and that's more than he needs, so he just kind of spins them around at certain points in his career. But uh, Grievous, to me, is a little bit of overkill, and it doesn't really help him. In fact, I think it kind of makes him look like a poser, like he is actually insecure, because it looks like he is trying to make up for the fact that he is not an actual Force user, but he's got multiple arms, he's killed these Jedi, he's got their lightsabers, so now he can swing them around all scary-like. But again, as much as I think like eh, that's maybe overkill, it still does, to me, tie back to the truth of the character. He wants to be uh, uh, frightening to Jedi. He wants to be someone that the Jedi tremble before, and... He's kind of a showboat, so of course he would use four lightsabers, even if that is not as effective as just using the actual one. Now, we get all the way up to Rebels, we get the Inquisitor's spinny blades, and uh, I'm not sure about that one. I feel like the spinny blades, again, this is, hey, how can we design something different? How can we make it look cool? They're clearly like fact not factory made but they're assigned to the inquisitor so they're a sign of here hey that's an inquisitor because they have the spinny blade but the spinny blade makes me feel like when you see something that's really well made sometimes it doesn't have many parts because the more parts the more easy it is to break and that's what i think of when i see the spinny blades of like that's just gonna it's gonna lock in place you know that's gonna be a problem for you inquisitors and indeed it has been they're using them as their little helicopters there on Malachor. You know, they have some Force-sensitive powers. Don't use a lightsaber to make a helicopter. Levitate yourselves. Come on, Inquisitors. Get with it. Anyway, then we get to, I think, the most modern, different lightsaber, and that, of course, is Kylo Ren's lightsaber. Now, when I saw that first trailer... And it is very powerful that he ignites the main blade and then the two little side blades shoot out. I really wasn't sure. It felt to me like I was talking about at the beginning of this that it was just to be, we need something different. We need that wow moment in the trailer. So we'll do this. And I even, it's on my comedy album, Rebel Scum, which is about Star Wars. Uh, At the time before the movie came out, people were calling it the Tri-Saber. I called it the Tri-Too-Hard Saber. But... I came around to it when the movie came out, and I will tell you why. Because just like Ahsoka with her twin blades, just like Grievous with his insecure overkill, that saber fits Kylo Ren's character. Not only the side blades, but the fact that it's not constructed quite right. He doesn't have quite the right materials. That blade is shaking, so it makes him extra dangerous, makes him seem extra violent, but it also reflects an insecurity. His training is not complete. And even if those side blades are intended, uh, there's this great energy to them, no pun intended, of he's got all this energy, Kylo Ren, and he can't quite focus it. So a little bit is coming out the sides. It's like his lightsaber itself is having a little tantrum. And now uh, there's kind of there's different stuff in canon about Kylo Ren's blade, unless I am mistaken. We have the canon that it is unstable, so he needs to vent the energy uh, out the little sides. And then we also have the canon 
that this design of a saber with the basically little cross guard lightsaber energy, that that is an older design that was introduced to us in Star Wars Rebels. I will get back to that, but I want to make with all of the examples the big point that if the lightsaber, no matter how bizarre the design, if there ends up being a scimitar blade where the actual blade of light is curved, that's cool. As long, it, to me, as it fits the character. Does it make sense? Should they, that character, be holding it? Or is it just there to make us go, wow, cool, but then it doesn't really make any sense in the actual narrative? then I've got a problem. Another great example of fitting the character and a fun, different take on lightsabers is my beloved Terra Sanube. Now, if you're not familiar with Clone Wars, the animated series, this is an elderly Jedi master, and he has a lightsaber cane. It has been entered into canon that it is called a saber cane. Now, that's the one that makes sense to me. I would do almost anything to personally own a saber cane. I would be cool with opening it, uh, owning it now, but I would really love to own it when I am actually elderly. There is something so cool about that to me. I think it's because it goes back to Yoda's judge me by my size, do you? It's like, judge me by my cane, do you? Well, zoom, ignite. That was my igniting lightsaber sound that sounded a little too close to a zipper, so I apologize for that. I do not want a zipper cane. I want a saber cane. Now, Ezra's blaster, Adam, you also mentioned in your grievance, and this again works for me because it fits his character. He made a lightsaber that also had a blaster, which is, uh, to me, it fits his character in a couple ways. One, he's a kid. It's the kind of thing, when he initially makes it, it's the kind of thing that a kid would think is cool. Well, yeah, I know I should have a lightsaber now because I'm kind of low-key training to be a Jedi, but wouldn't it be cool if it also had like a little blaster thing? That seems like a thing a kid would make. It is also significant because it sort of illustrates that he is not yet ready to fully commit to Jedi training. It's like that great shot in Empire Strikes Back where Luke finally makes his way into the carbon freezing chamber. He senses Vader's presence, and he looks at his blaster as if to say, this is dumb. I don't need to carry this anymore. This is not who I am. I'm making the change to the lightsaber. And Ezra was not at that place yet. So he had basically a security blaster. Not a security blanket, but a security blaster built into his lightsaber. So again, it works for me because it fits the character. So let's go back to Kylo's blade for a minute. So rebels seem to suggest uh, in the episode where they went to Melkor and the helicopter Inquisitor lightsabers just failed so badly uh, that... Kylo's blade was an old design, and I like that too, because it opens the door for more lightsaber storytelling. When the Jedi were ancient, 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 and I think we are eventually going to get the old Republic stories, were there a lot of different ideas about the way a lightsaber should be? Were they a little bit more individual-based? Were there different factions who believed that the lightsaber should have a little cross guard? And were there people who thought, oh, you should always carry two lightsabers, one slightly longer, one slightly shorter? And then was it just that the dogma of... A single blade is elegant. We don't need to fool around with anything. Don't put a blaster in it. Don't put a clock in it, Jedi Joey. Just a single blade. Is that the dogma that won out? That could be 
some interesting storytelling, which would help us explain in our in our canon of Star Wars why there are so many different screwy lightsabers out there. So here is my counseling summary, Adam. I think you bring up a great grievance. There is an elegance to that single blade, but I think we must accept that time marches forward and people like new ideas. So we're going to see people wielding two blades. We are going to see different screwy Star Wars lightsaber blades all the time. And you could maybe just accept that that is a truth of marketing reality, but you can also accept, hey, Sometimes, depending on the blade, it tells us something about the characters. And you can also imagine maybe there used to be many different lightsaber designs and us being so familiar when loving the single elegant blade, maybe that is a reflection of the Jedi being too stuck in their way. I have one more bit of counseling for you. I think that you can imagine any overly elaborate lightsaber is, much like uh, General Grievous, just insecurity. I know you said in your grievance that they pitch it like it's amazing. And it is true. A lot of times they're like, "Uh uh-oh, this person's holding two lightsabers, so now I'm in trouble because twice as many lightsabers is twice as dangerous. Well, you know what? That doesn't pan out in the actual Star Wars storytelling because more often than not, the General Grievouses, the Inquisitors, the Darth Mauls, the people who want to have a lightsaber coming out of every finger, what happens to them? They get cut down by a good old single blader like Obi-Wan Kenobi, who truly understands that an elegant weapon for a more civilized time should not have a clock in it. I hope that helps just a little bit, Adam, or at least offers you some other ways to think about it. And with that, I shall take a sip of my beer and we shall move on to Grievance 2. Ah. Grievance 2 is, I think, a popular one. And it is Screaming Vader. This was asked by Josh Eddy, also a patron on Patreon. And Josh asks, or rather says, the reason why I have yet to buy the Star Wars Blu-rays and the topic of my grievance is Darth Vader's no. At the end of Return of the Jedi. I can't stand it, says Josh. It's cringeworthy to the 66th degree. It's worse than the Revenge of the Sith, no, because at least that was still coming from an emoting Anakin. This is the stoic, badass Darth Vader who, only at the brink of losing another loved one, just does what needs to be done. The lighting camera work and acting in that head turn as he watches Palpatine killing his son, who is shouting, Father, please, gives us all we need to see Vader's internal struggle. We don't need to hear him, too. Watching him pick up Palpatine and his master's look of shock shows us his redemption. And the echoing sounds of his just don't mesh with the music and lighting effects, and I hate it. I refuse to own that version of Return of the Jedi, but I really want HD Star Wars movies. Please help me, Master Scrimshaw. You are my only hope. Oh, I am honored to be a hope. And Josh, I will try. I will try to bring you a little closer to the light side of the force on this one. This is one that I think a lot of people are going to agree with. So I agree with this one. I'll do some self-counseling along the way, too. On some level, I think we just have to accept that... This is George Lucas's vision of Vader. George Lucas's vision of what the Star Wars story is, 
what the characters are, who the characters are, has evolved. And at some point along the way, George Lucas decided Darth Vader is a character who yells no a lot. Like Michael Scott from The Office. As long as we're already talking about sitcoms on this episode, it's like when Michael Scott is upset that Toby's going to be somewhere. That's apparently a little bit how Darth Vader is, because he screams no at a lot of things. He screams no at the uh, end of Revenge of the Sith, and then, of course, we have the poetry of he screams it again for very different reasons at the end of Return of the Jedi. And maybe it's a character moment for Lucas that the no is really connective tissue. Maybe it is just about that poetry. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Lucas wanted to make it extra powerful, so when Luke yells no on Bespin, Vader's like, yep, He likes to yell no, too. That is my kid for sure. So first bit of counseling is how can you make it make sense to Vader's character? Because to Lucas, it does make sense to Vader. Vader screams no. Now, I feel better about it when I think of it as connective tissue to that first no in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, We make fun of George for the poetry, but the poetry is a big part of what makes the prequels interesting and we've got that no in revenge of the sith and as you pointed out in your grievance josh if that is anakin a little bit of anakin left as he's making the transition to darth vader and he is still being emotional that suggests that the emotion is coming back if in revenge of the sith he believes he has killed padme and he screams no in pain before he can shut down those emotions and only focus on his anger the fact that he does actually say no again as Anakin reemerges and as he makes the decision that Padme's fate is not uh, what Luke's fate has to be, I am going to stop this, then to me, I can kind of see the logic of that. And it's not a no of anger, it is a no of love, which is, no is a weird thing to shout in a moment of love, but maybe it is cathartic. For Vader as a character, it's catharsis to let out that emotion, an emotion that is not anger. Maybe it just feels really good to Vader. Maybe as he is saying no, this is the first time he's felt even a spark of happiness or that great Star Wars emotion, hope, in years. I mean, I think we're lucky that he didn't just yell, hope! Anyway, another thing about this to me is the quality of the nose. Because there are multiple no's. Now, uh, I went back and I watched this on YouTube along with friends. It was a very interesting night. And there is a difference in the quality of the no's because there are a couple of them. There's the, the first no, which was a quiet one, which is kind of Vader deciding. And, Josh, I take your point about it not matching a lot of the rest of the way the scene is shot or edited or lit. But that first one, to me, does. He's got his head sort of down, and he says, no, quietly, as though he's making a decision. And almost, if that was it, I would probably be more okay with it. I kind of like that first no, because it's so quiet. It's internal. But then, Vader's all, go big or go home. So he does the big no as he picks up Palpatine and does the, the toss. And... Here's some headcanon that might help. It does sound like Vader is almost swearing at Palpatine because he says the no kind of quietly to himself. And then the big no 
is as he is picking up Palpatine as the Sith lightning is arcing across his helmet and his chest unit, and it sounds almost to me like if one wanted, one could interpret that no as basically swearing. This is like Vader swearing at his bad dad Palpatine and basically saying, you asshole, but edited. So... That might help, Josh, if you imagine that he says no quietly to himself, and then as he picks up Palpatine, he's saying, you asshole. I mean, again, not great Vader dialogue, but emotionally, it is letting out all of this uh, confusion and emotion of all the years and just letting Palpatine have it with a swear word that's only a swear word in the subtext of the no, at least... He is not reverting to, like, full Anakin. He isn't saying things like, now this is Sith killing. Or he could have said, no, is this what the prophecy meant? Am I restoring balance to the Force by ending the Sith? Oh, at least George Lucas did not try to work in all of that into that no. But I do think that you can have some fun with imagining what is the actual emotional thought that Vader's having in that No, specifically the big one as he's lifting Palpatine. Another practical thing that might make you feel better is you can try yelling no along with Vader. Now, why would you do that? How could that possibly help? I have some thoughts. First, if you are yelling no yourself and you don't like Vader's no, you don't really have to hear Vader's no. And another idea Maybe it will be cathartic for you. Maybe if you are yelling no, it will make you feel better about not the choice to add the no, but like you are taking some agency. You are taking your action back. You are yelling no to George Lucas, who who made this choice, and you are yelling no to the concept of this. And it's kind of fun. So maybe if you watch this scene in Return of the Jedi again and again, You handle your own negative feelings by yelling no along with Vader. Eventually, it's so much fun, you will make a positive association with that moment in the film. Look, friends, I try to offer as many different ways to approach this as possible and try to make you feel better. So, a little bit of a counseling summary before I get to my last point. It's possible that this is a cathartic moment for Vader, and we can just try to watch it and feel joy for Vader himself as he breaks through, as Anakin breaks through in that moment. Maybe you can handle it better by making it a cathartic moment for yourself, by screaming along with Vader. But my final point of counseling, and the big one, is this. Imagine, as you're watching, it's not Darth Vader yelling, no, it's George Lucas himself. And now I say this for a couple of reasons. In the big picture, longtime Force Center listeners know I don't like making fun of George Lucas. I think he has taken too much abuse from Star Wars fans. I think he has made a lot of choices that I don't agree with sometimes as a fan, but he has always made Star Wars his own. He has always put his own stamp on it, good ideas, bad ideas. He created this thing that we all love. So I am not actually making fun of George Lucas on this last point. I am trying to project myself into the depths 
of his soul and what he has shared in his personal life and in his artistry as a Star Wars creator. Here's where I'm coming from. These Blu-rays were probably one of the last times that he went in and made a big Star Wars decision because he sold Lucasfilm very quickly after. And maybe this scream of no is kind of George Lucas's relationship to Star Wars, to the franchise, to this beautiful, monstrous thing he has created. There's that great DVD extra uh, called Empire of Dreams that came out with the 2004 DVD release. And in that Empire of Dreams documentary that talks all about the creation of the whole original trilogy, Lucas kind of casts himself as Vader. I mean, it's called Empire of Dreams. And some time is spent in it really painting the picture that George Lucas always wanted to be an indie filmmaker. He did not want to be a part of the machinery of the big studio system. And the way he escaped that is by creating Star Wars and then starting all of these subsidiary companies. And then slowly but surely, Lucasfilm became a giant company. And in order to try to avoid being a part of the big company system, Lucas himself became the creator of a big company. And I think somewhere along the line, he started associating himself with Darth Vader, with the idea that Vader, or rather Anakin, started out wanting to destroy the Sith. And in his attempt to become powerful enough to have true control so he could make good things happen in the galaxy, he himself became a Sith. And I think there's something about that, knowing that this is the last movie of the original trilogy. It is towards the end of George Lucas's ability to make any decision that he wants with his baby, with his creation. It's at the end of Return of the Jedi, Maybe there is something about that no that is George Lucas. That is not only a weird decision, but it's Lucas coming to grips with his creation. It is him accepting. It is time to move on from Lucasfilm. Yes, it has been a huge part of his life. Yes, it has shaped his destiny. But he is ready to move on. So he picks it up. And he doesn't throw it down an energy shaft. On the Death Star 2, he picks it up and he sells it to Disney. And maybe there was a part of him, as he was signing that paperwork, deep inside, there was a long, awkward, rumbling, no! But he also knew it was the right thing to do. That is what is going to help me feel better as I watch the HD Blu-rays of Star Wars the original trilogy, the end of Return of the Jedi, and hear that big, long no, I will think about the poetry that George Lucas's life has with his epic creation. Anyway, I hope that helped a little bit, and if not, I hope it was at least a little amusing. Those were two great grievances. Thank you, Adam and Josh, for sending them in. They're both grievances that are really about 
elegance, and I think many of us as Star Wars fans would prefer it if Jedi killed the Sith the traditional way, with one elegant lightsaber blade and without screaming. Nice and elegant. But this is Star Wars, and we must struggle toward the light side because there will always be things that challenge us. And speaking of that, I want more challenges. Send me your grievances. I recently collected some, I think about a month ago, on our Patreon page, and I got a lot of great ones. You guys are sending me in uh, more and more all the time, and I am finding them, and I am adding them to my collection. Uh, And I'm looking for things that are not just logic flaws, but things that just eat at you. These two grievances uh, uh, this episode were great examples. Just something that feels like you need to be dipped in an emotional bacta tank to cure you because it is eating at your very soul, and I will try to help you with that. You can, of course, use the hashtag SWCounseling when you send in any grievances on Twitter or Facebook. We release episodes every other Friday. We try to do as many live ones as we can, and there are many more episodes to come. We got next season of Rebels coming out. We got The Last Jedi coming out, and I'm sure both of those are going to be great, but there will be little things that stick in our Star Wars craws, and we will deal with them right here on Star Wars Counseling. You can find me on all the social medias at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed, and you can check out all of my shows. I got a bunch of shows coming up here in Los Angeles, including a live episode of Obsessed uh, here in October, so go find out about all of that on my website at josephscrimshaw.com slash live shows. You can also like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter as at Force Center Pod. You can support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Force Center and buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. That's it for Star Wars Counseling. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.